Alrighty, folks. Welcome back to the Startup Showcase. I guess it's the Skakatoon show today. I don't even know. When you get over an hour, I think they just give you your own show. I'm, I'm vying for it. The messages we're getting, the, the text messages, I'm going to read them real quick just because I think they're worthwhile. Um, first off, I want to clarify to the 773, I am a, a big fan of Rachel Maddow. Um, I like a lot of them. I actually listen to some of the Fox people too. I'm not that. I, I'm not a one side or the other, so didn't mean to lump her into that. Um, and the answer to the 708 about were the things true that Jeff's mom said? No, they were not. They were <clears throat> things like gargling bleach and, and other things that I really strongly recommend against. Um, and then as far as the Atlantic, I agree with you, 224. Uh, great journalism. The Athletic is what he was talking about, but the Atlantic as well. I would love to see that. I think the Tribune actually does a fantastic job. It's just um, the world is changing when it comes to where you get your national news. That's a whole other show for another another day. On the line now, I've got my friend Sean Rigsecker, CEO of Centro. Sean, are you there, buddy? <clears throat> good afternoon. How? I almost said good mor- I almost said good morning because <laughs> my whole time frame is off these days. What day is it? I don't. I <laughs> I don't even no know. Idea. Are you day drinking on the regular like me, or are you too uh, too healthy for that? Uh, I have I had my first drink last night in three weeks. Oh, uh, I okay. haven't seen a human being uh, in that same amount of time. And uh, my entire, I think I've reverted to whatever normal, probably biological uh, calendar I have, because I have been up till usually like three o'clock in the morning working, and then I get up at like ten. So I don't know if that's good or bad. I may have a hard time readjusting to the world. I I was talking my so I'm going to um, RPM Italian to do their curbside pickup to take food home to my wife tonight, and we're going to get all dressed up. And she's like, "I'm worried about the pants." I'm like, I, "We haven't put on real pants in a long time." I'm just worried. <laughs> it's a crazy world. Um, so first, I want to thank you for for coming on the show. We're going to talk if you if you've got the time. We're going to talk for the next you know half hour. Or so if you have it, um, yeah. I'm, what, what, what else do I have to do? I mean, I don't. Job? I didn't want to assume. Um, and also, this is random. I swear to God, I did not reach out to you for this purpose. But did you know that yesterday was the two year anniversary of Takagachi? Uh, I didn't know that, uh, but that was the time that I totally kicked your butt and became the most famous technology CEO in Chicago, if I remember. I mean, I mean, technically, you were already. You, you won because all the people clicked on it. You already were the famous. That just, that just made it possible. And, oh, my God. I just I saw this. I don't know why this is such a thing for me, and this is our, our connection point. But regardless, uh, congratulations again for being And for uh, just listening, and for the background, uh, for the people listening, which nobody's driving today, Scott. I'm questioning, you know, how many people, I mean, you got to be streaming this, right? Is that true? Uh, I hope so. I mean, it's wgenradio.com slash on dash air, and you can stream it, watch it, the whole nine yards. I mean, our my listenership, I don't know about this station show, but I can tell you our podcast numbers are literally double. And we were, we were doing about 240% month over month growth for almost 18 months consecutively. Like that was the bottom. And we doubled it every week so far of this has doubled like people have nothing better to do than to listen to my bs yes well what happens so everybody knows that uh uh 8-bit studios uh, uh they created this tech thing where you could actually give a entrepreneur coffee you could give them business cards and it was like you know a little like japanese tamagotchis where you had to keep us alive yep. but what no one understood and it was a big contest of who could actually get more vc dollars and I ended up 
realizing that there was a glitch and a bug in the software. So I could just sit there, and Scott was the guy. I think he had an entire army of people oh, in Chicago. Oh, everybody trying to get I had trying to get this thing. <laughs> and so I would just sit on my couch, watch him actually you know, spend time getting there, and I would just literally go into the bug, you know, flip it open, go up 100 points in VC dollars, and then um, he just could not figure out how I would just always keep leapfrogging him. So I, I actually so che- I cheated. But I am living proof that cheaters uh, do win. So, yeah, no, and, and I and honestly, I appreciate you saying that. This is the life lesson for me. Don't go up against uh, a tech founder and try to win a tech <laughs> right. game. That's a bad idea. <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay, so I want to talk to you about actual real things. Yeah. Um, you, so we'll talk about what you're doing with Centro and all this stuff, like how you're managing internally. I also want to shine a light on all of the work that you're doing writing, uh, I'm watching it on your Facebook page. I'm sure you're putting it other places. Uh, you are very detailed. You are a very good follow for me. Um, whether I agree or disagree all the time doesn't even really matter. I like to see all of the things that are going through your mind. And, and so if there, is there a place people can follow you to, to stay in touch with what you're talking about? Or is it just your, uh, you know, your muse? So, I have, well, com is my blog. Um, which I don't actually do, but I, I've been putting most everything out on Facebook. Uh, it has been on my list to actually go and redesign and create a better blog. Um, so I'm trying to get it up there because I think especially at times of crisis, you know, we're all just trying to figure out this world. I mean, our world has been turned upside down in a matter of three weeks. And I think making sure we've got the truth, I think making sure that we've got accuracy and i think uh what's happening to the citizens and society is a really big deal but you can't disconnect that from what's happening also economically and specifically with businesses and so trying to meld those two worlds and uh really just you know try to present information but do it in a way that uh is fair to what's going on and it's not biased uh, i think is critical at this time i totally agree with you i think it's really difficult um, you know, I, I try to, I don't run a company of your size, obviously. So I look at it like <clears throat> I want to stay upbeat and positive for myself, for my family, for my members of my team. Um, but I also want to be realistic. And there's sort of this like line where you feel like, well, as a business owner, boy, I'd really like nothing to change as a person. Right. I want my people safe. I want to be safe. I don't really care if, if we're right or wrong or overreacting or not. I just want to be safe and I'd rather be wrong and safe. And so, you know, it's a weird thing. I think people are struggling with and, you know, just knowing information I think is like the number one way to sort of the number one anecdote here is, is to, or antidote here is to, to know as much as you can. I think that that's the thing. Yeah, and, you know, there's two things that maybe we can spend a little bit of time talking about uh, for people. And and I look at it from a place where there's two audiences. The first audience would be, I'm a business owner, a small business owner, medium-sized business owner. Uh, You know, what things am I doing at Centro that could possibly have service or use? And then there's people who work for companies and work for business owners. And I want to also shed maybe a little bit of light so that, we expose a little bit of what it's like to have to make decisions uh, at, from a business perspective in, t- in a time of crisis. And there's this crisis. Look, I lived through the dot-com. I lived through the Great Recession. They've all been different, and this one's uh, also super different. And so let me first give a little bit of insight that 
Um, I just as a human being, I don't work well unless I feel like I've got ground underneath me. Once I know what I'm dealing with, then I can start to make decisions. This thing has been the craziest thing I've ever gone through because uh, economic forecast change, you can't necessarily condense it that it's a credit asset bubble or it's a technology asset bubble. Um, We don't know uh, what's going on. And the sad thing is I have to make decisions that are going to affect my team. It's going to affect my business. And I got to do it without having a clear beat on information. So I spent a lot of time, you know, three weeks ago, with my own deep level of analysis. Um, I like where I ended up on that. Happy to share a little bit of some of the data that I found. Um, Because then once we got there, then we have to make decisions on, is this a protracted recession that we're going to be dealing with? Is it going to be a U-shaped recovery? Is it going to be a V-shaped recovery? How thin is the V going to be? Or the U going to be? So, because unfortunately, um, and let's go back to what you said, you know, I find that a lot of the venture capital firms and private equity firms um, can be irresponsible uh, to businesses at a time like this because you'll see the Sequoia, you know, presentation that goes out with a tombstone that says, cut now, cut hard, cut fast. Um, and they're really pressuring their companies to do it. But you got to recognize that this is people. I mean, we're dealing with, you know, human lives, and a company is nothing more than a collection of human beings that are coming together in pursuit of some mission. And so the people have to be the most cared for in a situation like this. And if you cut too deep or if you cut too fast and you were wrong, all right, you, and there's, by the way, there's empirical data research studies that show that companies that take that route first usually do not recover fast post uh, the recovery of whatever uh, crisis you're going through. And so, you know, I feel like I'm walking on the edge of a knife right now where um, we've got to be safe, we've got to be cautious, we've got to be responsible. Um, at the same time, you got to do everything you can to protect all of your people so you don't have to go through layoffs uh, if you get to that point. And, you know, there's fear on both sides if I'm wrong one way or the other because if we should you know, go through layoffs, and we don't, and it's deeper, you know, we're in trouble with our bank and our credit facility. Um, where, on the other hand, if we, you know, uh, do do layoffs, and it's not as bad as we thought, on the flip side, we're not prepared to come out of it with more force and momentum. So there's a lot of, uh, lot of pressure, and it's really been difficult the last, you know, two to three weeks. I totally agree with you on everything that you just said. And I, I want to add another thing here that I don't, this is going to sound just like straight opinion and, and it, you might not even agree with this, but it's just what I've sort of been watching and listening. And I've talked to a lot of guys like yourself, uh, fortunately at my house doing my show, just recording there locally. But um, <clears throat> the companies that are like yours, that view their company as nothing more than their people draped in a shirt that has Centro's name. You know, Tom yeah. Gimbel's another guy I talked to a lot from yeah. LaSalle, and he said very similar thing, sent me a nice email yesterday, which is just a thoughtful thing to do, um, just seeing how things are going. You know, people, a lot of people doing that. Those who value their people, when they come out of this recession, or not recession, but just this situation, um, and in particular those who um, invested in keeping them, kept, you know, kept paying for them, the appreciation or, or lack thereof that we have talked about for the last four or five years of you'll never work one place longer than a little while because no one appreciates you. That's going to change 
for those people who feel loyalty to those that took care of them when they needed them most. And if you're a company who is competing in a very, very tight breakneck pace like growth companies are in the tech industry, they need the best people possible. And this is an opportunity to show how much you value your people ahead of yourself, ahead of your business, ahead of everything. And when we come out of this, even if you're not able to pay the most same amount of money, people aren't going to forget that you stuck your neck out on the line and the best people are going to work for the people who they know care about them. And that will be your strategic advantage, I think. Yeah, I, well, I think, first of all, I think there's a lot of research that uh, also proves that. But then at the same time, uh, you know, there's a phrase that I've always loved that says adversity, you know, everyone says adversity builds character. And I just don't believe that. I think adversity reveals character. Yes. And it's great. You know, everybody's my best friend when times are good and the money's rolling, you know, but when, uh, you know, the crap hits the fan, then you see the true colors of people come out. And I also think that's true not only at the individual level, I think it's also true at the business level. I think it says everything about leadership right now. And this is when, you know, you're going to find out if the emperor's wearing clothes. Yeah. I think as Warren Buffett says, you know, when the tide goes out, you see who's been swimming naked. Yep. <clears throat> Character's going to be exposed right now. And, and I've had a lot of conversations uh, with my whole company. And just for people who don't know, uh, we've got, you know, probably around 750 uh, employees in the technology industry. And, you know, I say uh, my, I have three points of philosophy inside of going into any type of a crisis or a recession. And the first is, and normally in, any, in a normal day life, I'll say, you know, uh, employees always come number one. Every decision we make, you know, it's the employees, then it's our customers, you know, then it's, uh, you know, uh, investors. That's my, my way I think about it. But in a crisis, I go, step number one is to protect the company because, uh, the sad truth is, is that if you don't protect the company protect and you the go people. under and you could easily go under, there's nothing for anyone. Yep. Okay. So that's number one. Then two, it's, you know, make sure that everything we do, we protect our team. But then the third is to me almost the most important, which is, you know, be responsible, be cautious, but keep your eye on coming out, prepare to exit. It's because the more you can do at this time, you know, it's a, it's the amygdala of our brain, the crocodile brain, right? We freeze, okay? When a crisis hits, we either fight, you know, we fight, or we fight, we flight, or we freeze. Most people in a recession freeze. They stop working. They stop uh, putting in extra effort because they're so afraid. Or salespeople convince themselves that no one's buying, and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. The best people in the best companies are the ones that actually double down at a time like this. Yep. They dig in. And if management can communicate to the team, we care about you, we love you, we will bleed, we will do everything we can to keep our team together at this time, they then were like, I got it. If you're going to back me like that, I'm willing to back you. But unfortunately, 90% of companies don't have that philosophy. 90% of the companies, the first thing they do is, all right, well, you know, put names on a list. Who are we cutting? And that's the last thing we should do. And then I, I walk the company through a framework. I mean, unfortunately, I'm old enough that we've got a blueprint now to how to handle these things. <laughs> but, you know, the framework is, and this is what we just got done uh, doing, is step number one, we're going to take our company down to the studs relative to non-personnel uh, costs and expenses. <clears throat> Anything that we can cut that doesn't require, you know, that wouldn't affect the operations day-to-day, we cut it to the bone. So we've got that already done. Uh, 
then you have to move to personnel costs and expenses. But there's a lot of things inside of that, whether it's intern, you know, we're not going to be doing our internship program uh, this summer. It's reducing, uh, you know, bonuses or taking away bonuses. There's no salary raises. There's a hiring freeze. So there's a lot of money that just goes into all of those buckets that you pull back. And then you keep going down, and it's obviously executives take pay cuts, and then, you know, other high-priced employees take, you know, deep pay cuts. And then you finally will get to a place where uh, you still need – there's still a gap to close, uh, especially if you look at what the forecasts are calling here for Q2. And then that's when you actually, you know, go to, all right, we're going to reduce salaries across the board by a certain percentage with the most senior folks and the highest-paid people taking the biggest percentage cut. Um, But it's shared sacrifice across the board. And hopefully you close the gap and you don't have to get to the place. But at some point, some companies, the math will say, you're just going to have to cut heads because you're not going to need them. Now, you know, know, knock on wood, we're fortunate. Uh, We managed to close our revenue uh, gap that we had to reforecast for the year. Um, um, but it is going to be shared sacrifice across all of our employees. I want to ask you, um, <clears throat> we got about five minutes left, four minutes left. I got want to ask you, how do you keep, so looking at the forecast and looking at, in particular marketing, looking at the fact that this is one of the things people cut, uh, one of the first things they cut, how do you keep your team's morale up? And it's not about, I'm not talking about being stuck at home. Like just, if I tell you, like, listen, we're cutting the pay. Our expectations are that you give 100%, but we also recognize that your output is probably not going to be what it was the last year or two. In fact, it might even be half that. But I want you to give your all. How do you keep people jamming on the gas <clears throat> and keeping this thing going and doubling down when everything around them says, you know, this is rough? Um, I believe it comes down to this, that first, I call it, you know, it's an emotional bank account. It's a trust bank account that you have, that leadership has with their team. And unfortunately, in corporate America, the trust bank accounts have been withdrawn. You know, they've got a lot <laughs> of negative balances. fees are stacking up, Sean. <laughs> yeah. And I think really good leaders, and, you know, I don't know if I put myself in that category, but hopefully... I'll uh, do it for you. You are a fantastic leader. Anyone I know who works for you loves working for you. Thank you. But... I, and so it's at this point, it's that moment, that, and by the way, you have to have been making deposits along the way, and it's at this moment that you can withdraw from the trust that you've built with your entire company. And, and if, you can, if you've got high trust and then you deliver information accurately, openly, and super transparently, the level of transparency, um, and I'm happy to tell my team, look, I'm scared. I don't know exactly what this means. Here's what we're going to do. This is to the best of my knowledge, and this is how we're going to get through it. You got to do that. So now, you know, the more, you know, when you're, when you are, um, what's the word? When you open yourself up um, and become vulnerable, vulnerability is the, is the portal to intimacy, which builds trust. When you're vulnerable and you're honest, okay, but then, uh, you know, people believe, but then you move to the next spot, which is hope, which is, guys, if you actually look at this, you could look at this as a curse. You could look at this as negative. The reality is, this might be the greatest time in the world because I've told my whole company, everyone else stops working. You want to win? This is when companies win. And I think when you've got the trust and you actually give them the hope and the motivation and then you just let them know how much you care and um, the response of people at a time of crisis is amazing. I sent an email out to the whole company last night and in it, my level of gratitude and appreciation for the creativity 
doubling down, the extra effort. Like we're going to get through this, and we're going to get through it as a team, as a family, as a company. And I think that is something, but you got to recognize you can't do that unless you've spent years building it ahead of time. I, I totally agree with you. Get through. And, and honestly, um, <clears throat> I prefaced this, I don't know if you were listening, I started at the beginning of the show talking about there are some things that are actually uplifting, there are some opportunities out there that we're going to be able to capitalize on, but you have to have the right attitude. And I didn't even share that with you. So you just like mm-hmm. went into this on your own, sort of validating the point that I was trying to make, which is I don't, I, I told everyone on, on the podcast, I'm going to do one Corona topic where I'm like, you know, oh my God, we're all going to, you know, it's crazy. Um, and then after that, I'm moving on and everything is uplifting right. and, you know, truthful is truthful, but uplifting if it can be. There are a lot yep. of opportunities for those people who do what you just talked about, which is double down, work your butt off. And don't, I don't, I mean, everyone's telling me, oh my God, how's it going with podcasts? You're going to get advertising. It's not, I, I don't care. I'm going to, I don't know how yet. I'll get it. I'll figure it out. You have to, otherwise you might as well just pack it in and quit and be done with it. You know, it's, I'll give it just a quick story. <laughs> and this goes back to, I started Centro back at the end of 2001, the month after 9-11. And previous to that, I was working for technology companies, uh, uh, and, I can remember that so vividly. I was crushing it in 2000 and 2001 for the company that I worked for. I was working in kind of a sales. Uh, I ran the whole Midwest uh, for a company out of New York. And and people are like, how are you doing it? And I go, it's really simple. The, everyone else has stopped working. I mean, they literally were drinking all day. Okay, so and I'm going to stop drinking all day. That's the first thing I got to do. <laughs> but it's that really this point is that you know, it, in recessionary times, those who are willing to actually not buy in to this idea that, you know, nobody's buying, because the truth is, everyone's always buying something somewhere. And the greatest thing about, you know, being in sales is that you're always going to have a job because yep. you could walk in, in a company and say, hey, look, uh, you know, don't pay me anything, just pay me commission uh, and let me go crush for you. And so that is that mindset. And it's like everyone else has stopped. And if you go hard, you have a greater chance to take market share. Um, and by the way, there's a lot of data on that too. The companies who continue actually to advertise and market because they have the ability to come out of it stronger than everybody who slashes. So 100%. I think that, yeah. So for my point, like it's tough, man, don't get me wrong. It sucks. I mean, it's the worst thing in the world, but you know, if you can keep your team together, you can keep people excited, motivated. Uh, there's a very good chance you could come out more advantaged than when you went in. Usually we say, Go hard or go home. In this case, I say go hard and stay home. <laughs> uh, Sean, thank you so much for uh, for taking all this time. Uh, appreciate yeah, your, your insight. And uh, people should definitely follow you and, and stay in tune and get that blog rolling. You have so many insights that uh, yeah. I think people need to read. Well, listen, man. God bless you. God bless everybody out there. And let's uh, get through this thing together and just uh, stay, you know, be kind as, as much as we can. So you too. love you all. And have a great weekend. You too. Stay safe. Uh, Zoom drinks for us in the future. Love it, man. All right. Take All care, right, buddy. Bye. Thanks. Take care. You got it. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, folks. We're going to take a long, long, long commercial probably here, and we're going to come back with the Startup Showcase. Be right back.